It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And today, it is our Locked On Podcast Network, Behind Enemy Lines podcast with Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Vikings. And before we get rolling, I'd like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Network, which includes the Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy, and Lockdown Vikings. And Sam's got a great podcast, and I'll give you all the insight you need on Saturday's opponent. And please check out my work over at PackerReport.com. Packer Report members always receive a 10% discount on tickets. But through Friday, Packer Report members receive a 10% discount plus. If they spend $200 on tickets, they save $10 extra. If they spend $400, they receive an extra $20 off their tickets. So a little extra Christmas savings for you. And what a better way, I mean, there's no better way on earth to enjoy Christmas than a Christmas Eve game at Lambeau Field. Packers-Vikings, a great rivalry, a great atmosphere, a great game, and the Packers are surging. You do not want to miss this football game. In one free story over at Packer Report, a story on Clay Matthews from yesterday. Why is Clay Matthews playing? An interesting question considering he's got the bad shoulder. And he's really done nothing the last three weeks. Well, we talked to uh, defensive coordinator Dom Capers and linebackers coach Winston Moss about that on Wednesday. And once again, that is a free story over at Packer Report. And with that, let's get on to the podcast or the, the crossover um, portion of the podcast with Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Vikings. Crossover edition. We've got Bill Huber of Locked On Packers joining us to preview the border battle at Lambeau Field on Saturday. Find him on Twitter at Packer Report, I believe. And Bill, I don't know if you've ever looked. There's a lot of other Bill Hubers on Twitter. Really? Yeah, yeah, there are. There's, there's a Bill underscore Huber. There's a Bill Huber at Blue Ridge Yankee. There's a William Huber at William A. Huber, but I think you're just Packer Report. Is that correct? I am just Packer Report. Yeah, it's, it's not that anybody cares, but I always I get this frequently enough. Do you know so-and-so Huber? Nope. Don't know him. <laughs> I've never known anybody who's ever asked me about my last name. So, What I get is the Vikings PR manager has the same last name as I do. His name is John Ekstrom. And I'm Sam Ekstrom. Ekstrom. Ekstrom is not that common of a name. No. 
So we, I obviously get a lot of questions like, oh, you're getting all the connections because of John, your, your cousin, the PR guy. And I say, nope, if I had John as a cousin, I would have way more scoops than I do. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you guys need some scoops, too. What, is, what has gone wrong? Oh, man. I mean, this is probably like a two-hour two podcast in itself, but... Yeah, just psychoanalyze the Vikings. Well, I'll tell you what. Ever since the bye week, the train has come off the rails in Minnesota, and I, I think they hit rock bottom with that last game against the Colts. Now, obviously, Bill, the folks in Green Bay understand that the Colts can be a good football team. They came into Lambeau Field and won. So this is not a total shock that the Colts played well. I think it is more surprising how poorly the Vikings played, how lethargically they showed up in their biggest game of the season, in a must-win situation. Mm -hmm. And it was just the intersection of every shortcoming that has kind of reared its head during this 7 out of 9 losing streak. There were penalties. There was red zone ineptitude. Inability to get off the field on third downs. Stupid mental mistakes. It all came in at the same time, and then uh, a minus three turnover differential, which has been so rare this year for a team that takes care of the ball. It, it was just the culmination of everything that's been wrong with this team post-bye week. It was shocking to see. It was. Um, so was it just a, a, a bad time for a bad game? Is it a team that's thinking, you know what, we've been beat to hell by injuries, um, let's, let's, go get, let's get the golf clubs ready? I mean, what do you think? It's really tough to pinpoint because that's a team that two weeks prior took Dallas right. fourth quarter with a lead in their building. So it's not a team that is incapable of overcoming injury. Mm -hmm. I mean, during this stretch, excuse me, during this stretch, the Vikings have played a lot of close games with some pretty good teams. I, I think out of their seven losses, about five of them have gone down to the wire. I guess I should say four of them. Uh, the, you know, the, the uh, Washington Redskins, they almost beat on the road. The, both Detroit games came down to the final plays. So it's not like the Vikings have been getting killed, but they haven't been finishing well simply because they don't have the offense to do so. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, other teams come in, they, they score touchdowns. The Vikings settle for way too many field goals. And the offense is an incredible concern because the way the offensive line has been playing, I mean, there's people who are literally saying, we need to draft five offensive <laughs> upcoming year because you've got no Khalil, you've got no Smith, uh, you know, you've got no Jake Long, who is your replacement. For, for Khalil, and now Brandon Fuss goes out with concussion. You've missed Joe Berger at times. So, I mean, it, it's a mess up there in the trenches. You know, it's interesting. You know, the Packers have been beat up by injuries, too, and the fans who are, have kind of worn thin up until this winning streak, they, they had, I shouldn't say they kind of, up until this winning streak, the, the fans had grown exasperated with Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson. They, they wanted them, everybody fired. And you'd point to the injuries, and no one cared, no fans care about the injuries. Um, maybe it's different up there, but you have to be realistic. I mean, if you've got three starting up at the tackles on IR, good luck. I mean, there aren't, there aren't enough good tackles to go around to begin with, which is why those guys go in the first round usually. If, if, you, don't have ta if, you, don't, if you can't block, you've got no chance. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it really is just injuries, right? 
Well, it didn't help, too, that you bring in a new offensive line coach this year. So not only do you have the new scheme and the new system to build around, you've got to do it with replacement-level players. So that's not doing anybody any favors. Then you've got an immobile quarterback. So if you have Teddy Bridgewater and a bad offensive line, you've got a guy who can at least freelance on occasion, get out of pickles, and avoid taking eight sacks in a game like he did against Philadelphia. But with Bradford, he's very statuesque in the pocket, doesn't have the ability to get move around a lot, so he's taking extra hits and is forced to get the ball out more quickly than, say, an Aaron Rodgers would. So as a result, then, Bradford's making these short throws. He's infuriating fans by throwing it short of the sticks on third down, which has become a, a chronic problem for the Vikings when, you, when you've got a third and five and you throw it three yards and get tackled. Nobody's liking that play calling. There's a lot of armchair offensive coordinating going on here in Minnesota, and Pat Shermer is obviously uh, coordinating for, I think, a future job here in Minnesota. He is the interim, the former interim coach at Philadelphia, the former quarterback's coach in St. Louis. And he's done a nice job at times, but of late, the Vikings' inability just to score more than 20 points and it has been a big problem, and, and it's got to change fast if the Vikings want to have any hope and obviously they go in with about a 2% chance of making the playoffs in this Green Bay game. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think on paper, you know, this, this looks like a whitewash in favor of Green Bay. I mean, the way Green Bay has been playing four in a row, does, does winning heal all wounds with the perceived uh, Rodgers rift with his teammates and his family? I don't think anybody's writing negative Rodgers pieces right now, are they? Unbelievably, no. They, they, that's all gone away. Um. I mean, some of that stuff was just um, stupidity. Um, there's, there's no rift with Rodgers and his teammates. I mean, I, I certainly asked enough people about it. Um, and and the, you know, I remember one of the stories that I read was uh, it was based on comments from a former tight end who uh, famously never got along with the quarterback anyway. So that in the family stuff, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he doesn't get along with his family. Okay, Th- is that Rodgers' fault or is the other people's fault? I, I don't know. I, it just seems like, come on, people. Let's stick to football. Um, Rodgers has been great, obviously. I mean, they went through, I mean, since Eddie Lacy got hurt in week, I think his last game was week five. I mean, they, they had no running game for about eight weeks. And now they've got a running game with a, it's a former wide receiver playing running back, and he's he's given them a spark. And I think it's probably been a hot topic in Minneapolis this week, too, how uh, Ty Montgomery came in and ran for 160 yards last week when it was uh, an incredible display of running. And, I, I had him for, for breaking 10 tackles. The coaching staff had him for breaking 12. It was something I'd never seen before. It was, it was I don't want to say it was Marshawn Lynch-esque because that would be an exaggeration, but to see him running through tackles was unbelievable. And it all started with the, the Eagles game or, or the, the Redskins game where they got pasted on Monday Night Football. They gave like a million points in the second half and lost. And Rodgers talks to us on, on Wednesday and says, we're going to run the table. And you're sitting here listening to this thinking, okay, this is what you have to say, but you guys stink. <laughs> and you're not going to do it. And they've won four in a row. It is, it's, a, it's been a remarkable turnaround. And Rodgers has been great. They've gotten healthy-ish in the secondary where you know they, they went through 
three or four games this year where their, their top three corners are out. Well, good, well, good. You know, I talked to you about you, you can't play offense without offensive linemen. Well, you can't play defense without cornerbacks. So they got a few guys back there, and and Rodgers is, is is backed up his talk, and they've, and they've got something that looks like an honest to god running game, and all of a sudden the Packers were four and six, and we're talking about firing people. Now they're eight and six, and with the chance to clinch the playoffs on Sunday or Saturday. That, that's amazing. What a turnaround. And that's literally the difference between these two teams, Bill. If the Vikings endured a four-game losing skid and never really knew how to come out of it. And the Packers endured the same four-game losing streak. And obviously they found the, the wherewithal, the cojones, to climb their way out of it. And here they are now in a much better situation than Minnesota. They control their own destiny. Vikings need a whole load of help to make it. And frankly, a lot of people are saying in the media, does this team really deserve to make it? Do they deserve having other teams help them out around the league and sneak them into the playoffs? Because the way the offense performs, I'm not sure anybody thinks they could go anyplace. Uh, Granted, the Vikings defense could be scary in the postseason, but I mean, to be honest, if I'm an opponent, I'm far more worried about playing Aaron Rodgers in the postseason than a banged-up Vikings team. Yeah, I can see that. But at the end of the day, and people forget about this every year. I mean, look, the Broncos won with Peyton Manning, for God's sakes, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like a defense. Um, other than other than last week where he gave up about 34, there, that's, there's really nothing wrong with that group. I mean, that that's still a, a juggernaut unit, isn't it? Or am I wrong? No, you are mostly right. The unit, though, has been prone to these frustrating lapses where it seems like they go in and they've been out scheme, and they have a tough time turning that around. It happened against Washington. It happened against the Bears, of all teams, at Soldier Field. And it happened against the Colts, where they could not get off the field on third down. Other teams went with a quick, slant-based passing game that kind of exploits the Vikings' ability to cover deep. They are a very good deep coverage team, but sometimes they play off a lot. Uh, Trey Waynes is a culprit sometimes. Xavier Rhodes is a culprit where they play back on these wide receivers and the quarterbacks just pick them apart at will, seven yards here, four yards here, 11 yards here. And and then even against the the Colts, they got beat deep in their heavy set uh, or their their base 4-3 defense with offenses going with heavy sets. That keeps Captain Munderland, the nickelback, off the field and puts Chad Greenway on the field, the 33-year-old linebacker, who if he gets put in coverage, that's a huge mismatch because he does not have speed or the agility that he once did. And teams seem to be exploiting that, and the numbers back it up. When teams keep Munderland off the field more, uh, the results are far better. So there might be some chinks in the armor of the Vikings defense that teams have discovered after that hot 5-0 and start. Well, that's interesting because with, with Ty Montgomery at running back, I, I wonder how the Vikings will defend that. Obviously, you're, you're probably not a fortune teller, and, and I'm guessing even being the cousin of a Vikings PR staffer, you're probably not privy to the defensive game plan, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the Vikings treat Montgomery. Do they treat him as a running back and, and play run defense, or do they treat him as a receiver and, and keep an extra DB out there to when he's in a lot of this? So that'll, that'll be an interesting interesting matchup there. Um you mentioned the cornerback play. You got Xavier Rhodes is going to the Pro Bowl. Um, at least according to the folks at Pro Football Focus, Terrence Newman has been great. Um, are those? Is that a, a great tandem, or is there, or, the, or is the chinks in the armor showing up there? 
I think that that's an altogether pretty pretty fantastic duo there with Newman and Rhodes. Sometimes Rhodes gets a little bit handsy, and he was a couple games ago against Jacksonville. He had a little bit of a meltdown on the field. He's a pretty emotional guy, and if he gets frustrated by the receiver, like he, he mixed it up with Odell Beckham Jr. back in the week four. I mean, he, he is a little bit susceptible to that, but if you look at his resume this season, and this is part of the reason, too, that Newman's been so good, it's because Rhodes is shutting down the best guy. Rhodes shut down DeAndre Hopkins. He shut down Odell Beckham Jr., Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, did a great job against Fitzgerald and Floyd uh, with, with Arizona a few weeks ago. So, I mean, it's, it's an awesome, awesome duo of corners. Right now, the biggest issue in the secondary is no Harrison Smith. He's out with an ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. He missed the last two games. Probably going to miss this upcoming game as well. Not sure he'll play again this year. But without Smith, the Vikings don't have much experience and depth at safety. Anthony Harris, the second-year man, undrafted free agent out of Virginia, is his replacement. And Andrew Luck picked on him all day last week. So if Rodgers has the wherewithal you know, to get it to that, that next level and test Harris's coverage skills, that could be tough for the Vikings. Now, how's that Green Bay defense holding up? You, know, you mentioned they got some guys back. They seem to have turned some things around. Um, the guy who I was really impressed with was Mike Daniel when the Vikings played here. Mike Daniels had a huge game that night. Uh, is he, has he still been pretty dominant? And how's that defensive line doing? Yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, gosh, the first four games of the year, the Packers are giving up like, I don't know, 40 yards rushing a game and less than two yards to carry. It was it was unbelievable. And, it, and they've certainly slipped well off that pace. Um, last week against the Bears, Jordan Howard, a heck of a good running back who's arguably been better in some ways than Ezekiel Elliott. The Packers shut him down the first half. Elliott got going in the second half, though. Um, Mike Daniels is a great player. He's There's some Pro Bowl talk there. I, I, I think just the defense as a whole kind of weighed that down, though. Um, the starting tandem of, of Daniels and Latroy Guyon, pr- pretty darn good. But then it's, you know, Kenny Clark is their first-round pick. He's a rookie. Dean Lowry, their fourth-round pick. He's a rookie. And their number five guy is Christian Ringo, a practice squad guy. So, you know, the starting tandem's pretty good. The backups are kind of iffy. You know, what, what they did so well, I, and I asked uh, defensive line coach Mike Turgovac about that on Wednesday, or, God, these this days of the week are screwing me up. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, but what they did so well, and he said they did what they did so well is the defensive linemen kept at the same level. So where, you know, rather than having one guy penetrate too far upfield, they basically stayed in the same plane, and it took away some of Peterson's running lanes. So that, that'll be key for the Packers. You know, in, in the linebacker core, is a mess. You know, Clay Matthews has a shoulder injury. He's basically playing with one arm. Um, the other starting outside linebacker is Nick Perry. He's got a broken hand, and he short, he practiced for the first time in a while on Wednesday with a, with a big club cast on his hand. Um, so at least that's not the outside linebackers. Is Julius Peppers, who's thirty six and isn't being played, isn't being paid to play run defense. Um, Dayton Jones is okay. And the other guys are non-factors. So, and you look at the inside guys where, you know, Jake Ryan just coming back from an ankle injury that cut him out, and Blake Martinez is at uh, practice yesterday with a knee brace, and so that's left Joe Thomas, their former dime linebacker, you know, a two hundred twenty-ish pound athlete playing run defense. That's probably not ideal either against Peterson. So, they've got a lot of a lot of issues, and if Peterson's up to it, and if the line's capable of blocking. I think there's some opportunities there for Peterson, but I mean he's only averaging 1.9 per carry, and the Vikings are, are less than three 
What's up? What's up? What's going on there? Well, let me first toss this out there. Peterson yesterday when he spoke to the media was not guaranteeing he would play against Green Bay. He came out of that out of that Colts game with a, a little bit of a groin tweak and the knee, of course, still healing. Maybe he rushed back a little too soon, but Peterson said he's one day at a time, would not commit to Saturday. So take that for what it's worth. Okay. Could be a little bit of smoke and mirrors on the Vikings' part. They like to play some games with the injury report. I know that they, they like to force teams to prepare for any possibility. But when it's the Vikings' running game we're talking about, I'm not sure teams need to prepare that much because it's so, so mediocre. I think a lot of it's on the offensive line. I really do, even without Peterson for most of the year. The guys are getting hit within like one yard of the line of scrimmage on average. There's just no push forward. They're not opening up holes. Yes, you've got maybe some vision issues with Jarek McKinnon and maybe Matt Asiata isn't as, as shifty as you would like in a running back. But altogether, those guys were running in 2014 when Peterson was out with child abuse right. patients. And they were middle-of-the-road running teams. So I think it's more so this new offensive line scheme is not taking as quickly as Mike Zimmer and Tony Sperano desired. And, you know, the Vikings just do not have the ability to, to rush for big chunks. I mean, they, and I'm not sure what that comes down to, whether it's guys are not getting off their first block and getting to the second level. But, I mean, they're long run this year. I want to say it's under 30 yards. Like, they don't have any explosive runs that would, you know, up that average. So they're stuck down there in one of the historically worst uh, rushing offenses in modern NFL history. They've been hovering under or right at three yards per carry all season. That's not going to get it done in, in any sense. And that's another big indictment of the offense. And that's why Sam Bradford's really been hung out to dry. Because, I mean, against, against Indy, they ran it three times. He threw it at 42. Against Dallas, they ran it, I think, 17 times. He threw it 50. There's no balance to the Vikings' offense right now. And when you're only throwing it six yards per attempt, it's tough to sustain a long drive down the field without making some mistake, whether it's a turnover or a penalty that sets you back. And the Vikings don't have the explosiveness then to get it downfield in big chunks to make up for those mistakes. It's amazing. I was looking at the stats yesterday, and they're averaging 9.8 yards per completion. You know, Matt Ryan's around over nine yards per attempt. It is, man, that's just remarkable. Um, I know we talked about Stephon Diggs in in the last podcast back in back in September. Is he is he still playing at that kind of level? And I know you threw out the Antonio Brown comparison. You look at you look at eighty catches. He's he's certainly produced. Yeah, he definitely peaked midseason when he had thirteen catches in consecutive games against Detroit and Washington. To some extent, he has been shut down of late, but he's also been banged up a bit. He's had little nagging injuries here and there this season. I think he's had a groin, he's had a knee, and now I want to say it's a groin. i got to look at the injury report. I think it's a groin again. But, uh, but yeah, Diggs has been really good. The guy who though, you want to look out for is Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen has become arguably their most primary downfield receiver. He runs incredible routes. He's got great hands. And he's not nearly as fast or as shifty as Diggs, but he, for some reason, can just stretch the field. An incredibly savvy, smart player, former special teamer, former practice squad guy, and here he is on the big stage. He's really come a long way since week two when you saw him last. So 
Enjoy watching Adam Thielen on Sunday. Give me the 411 on Jordy Nelson because a lot of people early in the year were saying Nelson's not back. Nelson is still succumbing to those ACL, you know, lingering issues. But it seems like something happened around the seventh game of the season where he's back to his old self. Am I right? Yeah, I don't. I, I want He's really good. I don't think he's back. Um, because he's still not. A, I, I realize he had the, the sixty yarder to beat the Bears, but he he's still not a, a game breaking guy. And this isn't to uh, denigrate what he's done. I, I think in a way, what he's done is almost more impressive than that. He's he's found new ways to to be a, a big time factor in games. But you know, this is my all time favorite stat. And I've said it probably a thousand times in the last couple of years. In twenty fourteen, he had five touchdowns of 59-plus yards, and that was more 59-yard catches, touchdown or non-touchdown, than 30 of the other 31 teams. I mean, he was just a one-man show of, of big plays. I mean, he hasn't done that. I mean, the last, that, that play against the Bears was really the only play like that he's had all year. And that corner that he beat was like a, it's like a 4-6 in the 40 guy. So he's not a game-breaking guy. I don't think anyone cares about him running deep because I think most corners can keep up with him. But he's so savvy. I think he may be running better routes than he ever has. Um, he may be catching the ball better than he ever has. Um, he's not a great yak threat, but he's, I think he's maybe a bit overly concerned with, with ball security. Not that, there's, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's a lot of a lot of catch the ball and get two hands in the ball so you don't cough it up. But to be here with 80 catches on a team where, you know what, Aaron Rodgers has never played favorites, and this has never been an offense with him where that's had guys pile up huge reception numbers. To be here with 80 catches right now is pretty amazing. He's He's been, and he's gotten better and better, and where I thought Rodgers went to him too often, especially in that, many, that Minnesota game in week two, where I thought Rodgers went to him too often for what they were getting out of him. Mm-hmm. I, he's, he's, he's really blossoming. You, you pair that with Devontae Adams' breakout season, um, Randall Cobb is still Randall Cobb, even though he hasn't done a whole lot at times. Um, and tight end Jared Cook is back from an injury, and I mean, he's had back-to-back impressive games. So you, you can, now you have an offense that might not have a true number one in the sense of, boy, as, as, as in the sense of a corner to say, boy, this guy we have to take him out. They've got four really good weapons, and, and, and it's really it's really freed up this offense. Yeah, Nelson targeted 11 times in Week 2, had five catches, 73 yards, and the first touchdown in U.S. Bank Stadium history. I don't know if you ever saw this going around Twitter, Bill, but you know Prince's, uh, Prince the Singer, his real name was Prince Rogers Nelson. Really? And the first TD at U.S. Bank Stadium was Rogers to Nelson, so some Prince homage coming from the Packers in Week 2. That was nice of them. Actually, we, we took the tour, not took a tour, but uh, me and my colleague, Keith Rorting, we uh, went to cover the game, and we walked around the place for about a half hour. Unbelievable stadium, first of all, but he had to go find that Prince, is it a collage? I mean, I don't even know, I don't even know what you're called. You, you know what I'm talking about there, that artwork of him. That was... Uh, yeah, the mural. Yeah, the mural. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool, with all the, made out of all of his lyrics. Um, but Prince Rogers Nelson, wow, there you go, everybody. You learned something today. You learned something besides just the game. You learned about Prince, so you're all better people for it. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, t- give me give me a series of scenarios here, Bill, because I know the Vikings fans have their set of scenarios and scoreboard watching that they have to do on Sunday. What's the Packers' situation? So give me, if they win and if they lose, what the playoff picture looks like. If they win, 
we'll, we'll start with the easy one. If they win this game, then they go to Detroit next week for the division. Regardless of what Detroit does at Dallas on Monday night. And in one of the all-time great scheduling breaks, the Packers play on Saturday. The call, and, the, and the Lions play Monday night. So Green Bay gets like two and a half days of rest to get ready for that Week 17 game. So that's a huge edge there. So that's the easy part. The uh, the more complicated part, as uh, my Tigger would say from the, the uh, Winnie the Pooh books I have to read to my kids all the time, uh, the more complicated part would be to clinch this week, and that would be the Packers have to win, and then everybody else in the world has to lose, that, and that would be Tampa Bay has to lose, um, Washington has to lose, and um, Atlanta has to win their game, which would clinch the division for Atlanta, and that puts Tampa Bay into the wild card picture, and Green Bay would eliminate them. So they're all doable. Um, Tampa plays on the road. Washington plays on the road. And Atlanta uh, plays a Carolina team that's beatable. So it's all doable, and I, I wouldn't think it would happen. But that's the, uh, the scenario to get in this week. And if they lose, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be in the same boat as the Vikings. They're, they're going to they're gonna need some help from, from elsewhere to, to make it relevant. But you know what? If... if Again, the easy way would be if Green Bay loses this game, then if Dallas beats Detroit, then Green Bay can go to Detroit and I think would have the tiebreaker over everybody if with the Vikings in there. So it's, I don't know, it, it makes my head spin. Yeah, it's wild. The, the Vikings are in a scenario where they need about 13 things to happen, and they've had two happen so far. So maybe this is uh, the year that the Vikings win the lottery and get lucky. They... They needed a Dallas win last Sunday night. They got it. Then they didn't need need a Washington win on Monday night, but they, it would have been really nice, and they got it. So now, basically, to survive to Week 17, the Vikings need to beat Green Bay, obviously, and they need a New Orleans win over the Bucks. So it's going to work out great for Fox because the Vikings play at noon, then let's say the Vikings win the game. Not convinced they will, but let's say they do. Then all the Vikings fans will tune in for the, the late game and see if the Bucks can uh, can win or lose against the Saints. So I think it's going to work out well for the networks. Yeah, same with Green Bay fans, too. Same deal. With, uh, Packer fans need a, a Buccaneers loss to the Saints. So same boat here. Yeah, genius TV marketing executives, apparently. Uh Let's get a uh, let's get a prediction from you, Bill. I think we're run, running out of time here on Lockdown Vikings, Lockdown Packers crossover. Do you think the Packers continue the winning streak? And uh, and if if the Packers win, what happens? And and if the Packers lose, what happens? Give me a kind of a scenario for both. Yeah, I I, I think Green Bay wins. I don't. I'm going on a limb. For the record, I am seven and seven on my weekly pick. So <laughs> don't take this to any bank. That's about what I am too. It's awful. You know, this is kind of like I. I remember uh, I, I would bring my kids, my, my 4K or home from school, and I would drive past this house where there's these shih tzus in the yard in a, in a kennel, and they sit on the yard chasing their tails. And I'm thinking, and this, this is me picking games, you're just chasing your tail, thinking, well, Green Bay is playing better. I'll pick Green Bay, then they lose, and yeah, I don't know. But anyways, I'm picking Green Bay, because they're just playing better, and the Vikings offense is such a train wreck like we've got into. So, you know, Green Bay 24 to 10, I mean, it's, it's going to be a struggle. But I, you know, the Vikings' defense is, is really good, and Zimmer's done really well against Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park, but you know, maybe it'll be a close game, and you know, maybe they force a mistake and, and tack on a touchdown. So, Packers twenty-four to ten. The scenario where they lose this game, though, the Vikings are dang good on turnovers, and you know, it's going to be it'll be a relatively nice day, but it's still December. 
I mean, you can see him coughing one up. You know, I, I can see the secondary giving up a big play, even though that hasn't been the Vikings' M.O. You know, in, in a game where points could be at a premium, it could just be a mistake or two one way or the other that swings things. So I, mean, I, I can certainly see the Vikings win it. I don't think it'll happen. How about you? I also do think the Packers get this done, but I think it's a mini bounce back from the Vikings and that they are competitive into the fourth quarter. I think if that defensive line rediscovers its mojo and they get some early pressure on Rodgers, then it could be a lower scoring game. The Vikings defensive line was terrific for four weeks, and then they ran into luck and the Colts, and they really didn't have any chances to rush the passer because they couldn't stop the run. They gave the most rushing yards they have all year, actually, against Frank Gore and company. But they had 13 sacks in the previous four games. So that's a defensive line capable of wreaking some havoc. I think they'll have a a miniature renaissance against Green Bay on Saturday. But I think it's going to follow the script of so many other games this year in that when crunch time comes around, the offense is not going to be able to get it done. And even at times this year, Bill, the defense has faltered in big situations. They've done so against the Lions a couple times and uh, against Dallas in in the fourth quarter. So... I think Green Bay wins this one about 23 to 19. I think Vikings fans will regret settling for so many field goals with Kai Forbath, which has been another perpetual problem. And I, I just I like Rodgers' chances at home in a must-win game, where he rarely loses. I mean, I guess the Vikings have to channel some of that mojo that they gathered week 17 of last year right. when they won at Lambeau. But this is a much different team. This is a, a less disciplined team and a less healthy team. And there's no momentum right now for Minnesota. Very different situation. It's all about pride, right? And I, you know, from, from my outside perspective, I, I would assume they'll play for Mike Zimmer, and, and it is the Packers, and I, I would assume that the Packers will probably get their best shot here. You would think that. I think that was the argument up until last week, and, then, and now everything's on the table. Now no one knows. Everyone's been at a loss for words all week in the locker room. Coach was at a loss for words on Sunday and Monday. Nobody has a good explanation for why you lay an egg at home against the Indianapolis Colts, who were 6-7. and seven. It's not like they're a, a world beater. So playing for Zim is certainly a, a valid thing because of his eye issues, obviously. You know, he, he missed the, time, the Dallas game earlier, and he's, he's really been tough on the guys, and they've all said how inspired they are by him, but they did not play – like inspired football players against the Colts. Packers, I think, have a great chance to win this game and move to 9-6. Well, it'll be a great game. Sam Ekstrom from Lockdown Vikings. Check them out, everybody. And Bill Huber, at Packer Report on Twitter. Thanks a lot, Bill. We'll be watching. Thanks, Sam. Enjoy the game Saturday. And, uh, Merry Christmas to all the people over there in Minnesota. Merry Christmas to those cheeseheads over in Green Bay. All right. Take care. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.